Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. No comment. <laughs> That's an inside joke for those of you not here. <laughs> Country music and myself. <laughs> though you know surprises cowboys and stuff and uh birthday a year ago uh 20 or 19 years ago now this time i was like sweating bullets like we're going to getting ready to have our first sunday service wondering what it was going to be like and look here you guys are all these years later so we're going to have a big uh big time the next week and uh or the night the second october the second and i'm going to have a lot of fun and food so hey this morning, we are starting a new series. For three weeks, we are going to be in the tiny book of Titus. Three chapters, so each week we're going to look at a chapter. Uh, Titus is a small book, but it is so condensed and full of information. Uh, it's like a vacuum-packed gospel almost. You know, It's just like there is nothing there that should not be there in there. And there's like it's so pointed and so clear and concise. And it's something that I read quite a few times, actually, in uh, the birthing of this church. Something I needed to read over and over again. That in a First and Second Timothy and the book of Acts, I just kept reading and reading and meditating because I, on the scriptures because I wanted this church to have a good foundation, and we were starting it raw and new. And so uh, Titus is a big part of that when you begin to build a church, and also to see that a church stays healthy. I've been around long enough that I have experienced all kinds of leaderships in churches. Uh, having not really uh, come out of a church background all these years ago, when I became a Christian, uh, making my way into the church was an experience. And uh, understanding boards at a, as 19 or 20 years old and being so fired up for Jesus and then getting involved in regular church and, and me expecting, actually, this expectation in my life that everybody in leadership in a church was as excited as I was about Jesus, only to find out that really wasn't the truth. And, and uh, I'm not here to slam anything. I'm just saying I didn't know. I, I just I thought church was awesome. I thought it was great, but I thought it was this band of people and how was it led, how was it put together. And, and so uh, uh, I have uh, quite a few experiences. One is one, this one pastor that I really liked, and uh, they, they did visitation back in the day. Anybody remember that, where you just go knock on doors? Yeah, and uh, this church knocked on my door, and they came in in suits. And if you knew me back in the 70s, I didn't wear a suit, you know. I didn't look like I wore a suit. And, uh, but these two guys came in, and, and I came out of the back, back room, Karen had welcomed them in, and, you know, my hair is down to here. I have a beard. And I look at him, and they say, we're from so-and-so church. And I said, brothers, you know. <laughs> and uh, we sat down, and we talked, and they invited me to their church. And I thought, well, if they will invite me, being from that tradition, then they're a pretty good church, you know. And so I went to the church, loved the pastor, was just so authentic and real. And then at the age of about 24, 25, I got voted onto the board. And uh, I went to my first board meeting, you know, and, and I was, like, so excited. I'm like, we're going to be praying and fasting to reach the city and went in there and then they bring up something about the, the goals that the pastor had for the past year and this was a very small church and also how the grass was so high out in the front yard and I hadn't been cut and wondering why the pastor hadn't cut it 
And, uh, and then the pastor, a very humble man, said, well, brothers, what can I do? And I'll never forget this. One of the lead leaders said, you can resign right now. And I was devastated. I was like, what? Did you get over grass not being cut? Over some, something that you can resign right now? And I was just absolutely, I didn't understand it. And for about the, the, through the whole 70s, actually, right on into the early 80s, I had experiences where I was like, is this the way it's supposed to be? But then I was reminded in the scripture that there is a way to do this. Not everybody's always happy, of course, but. But there is a way to do this where God gets the glory in all of it. And so our journey today will be starting in the, in the first chapter of Titus where he is going to teach us some things about leadership. And, and also in next week, we're going to talk about the church. And there is a theme that runs through Titus, and it is doing good. I think eight times we read that. We'll read the word good in this very small book. So even with all the challenges that we read about that this church is going through, Paul tells this church leader, he says, there's much good to be done. And so we're going we're gonna to start this, and I'm going to pray over it first, and then we'll jump into it. If you've got your Bibles, your electronic uh, Bible, your U Bible, or whatever, just open it up to Titus near the back of your book, back there in the New Testament. Father, thank you so much uh, for this time together to look at your word, God. Thank you for giving us examples of how to do this and how to do this well, and so that we do good along the way. So, Father, we ask your blessings. We ask your presence, presence, presence here, here, here. Help me in my words. Help me. Uh, give me the gift of teaching for the next few minutes and, and open your word up to us. I breathe life on it. Make it alive. And uh, bless our church with it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, here we go. We're going to be over in the first chapter, like I said. Let me set this up by telling you a little bit about Titus. Titus is one of Paul's right-hand people, not only one of his... Paul, in case you don't know, is like the super apostle. He's the great... He is like the most well-known apostle of all. Paul has... Once he became a Christian, uh, he hated Christians, hunted them down before, tried to kill them. And then Jesus... Yes, that's right. This is a radical testimony isn't it? I mean, he hunted him down, tried to kill them, was a Jewish leader, and then Jesus just apprehended him like he's done so many of us. He just came to us in such a way that we had to look at our lives and go, There's, what is this about? There's a risen Savior, and it changed his life right on that road, and, and uh, now he is out planting churches and raising up leaders, this Paul is, and he has a couple of people very close to him, and one of them is he calls one of them is his son, his son in the faith, and that's Timothy. And also, there's another son, and that's Titus. And Onesimus he calls his son as well. Really close people that are very close to Paul, and that he has been training up. Most likely, Paul led Titus to the Lord. Uh, we find out when we read over in Second Corinthians that Titus had been sent on some. Uh, you know, some adventures and also some assignments prior to this that he had been sent to Jerusalem church to deal with some issues and to love them, to care for them, and uh, also to get them up into the giving phase, even though they were in need, to get them to the giving phase as well. And he's very well respected. And, uh, and we start the story with Paul saying that he, that he left Titus in Crete. Now, Crete's a little island on the Mediterranean, maybe a little... Not quite the size of Puerto Rico, but kind of close to it. And so on this 
island of Crete, there are a lot of house churches as the gospel is just spreading through. This is somewhere around 60, 70 A.D. So we're a few decades into the church's growth, maybe like 30 years or so into it. And uh, groups are popping up here and there as Paul and Barnabas and Titus and different ones have come and preached the gospel. But they're, they're just out of order. They're scattered and they're ripe for the picking when it comes to bad teaching. And so Paul is trying to put some things and get some things uh, in place to help them grow and, and grow in a healthy way. So let's, let's read a little bit of the first uh, chapter here. And you've got to fill in on the back of your handout. And uh, I'll help you fill those in as we go along. It just kind of keeps me uh, tethered to my board, as we say, surfing, so I don't stray too far from it. And uh, I don't get uh, evangelistically in my speaking. <laughs> Stretch out there a little bit. <laughs> so let's, let's just read a little bit of this. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Now, when it says elect, it, it doesn't mean elect in the Presbyterian way. It, it means elect. It means in the Old Testament way. It means those that God had chosen, those that have come to know Christ. And I better grab my glasses here. I'm going to misread the scripture and get struck by lightning. Hold on. <laughs> no, he wouldn't do that. It's okay. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, in which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me. How bold of him. I'm preaching the gospel by the command of God. It was God's decision for Paul to be this preacher. Paul did not choose this for himself. No preacher chooses this for themselves. God comes along and apprehends them and grabs them and says, I want you. And Paul is telling Titus this, he says, I got drafted. God drafted me to be this apostle, to be this preacher. And that I was commanded by God, our Savior, to preach it. You cannot do anything but preach it when you are drafted like that. To Titus, my true son in our common faith. Man, how beautiful. Grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. And then here it is, your first fill-in. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished. And your first fill-in is that a church needs order. A church needs order. When you think of something in order, it's an arrangement or a disposition of people or things in relation to each other, and usually in relation to some subject or object where they're moving in the same direction. And uh, to some of us, uh, order is like something bad. We don't like order. We think order stifles creativity, but not the biblical kind of order. There, there is a rich, rich source of help in good biblical order in the church. And so in Crete, and on the island of Crete, rather I should say, on the island of Crete, all these little churches that have popped up, they, they met in homes, they didn't have buildings. So all of these homes uh, needed leadership, and they needed some order in them because they were left to themselves. And uh, I find it funny when people say, uh, we don't need a leader, because any group, if you watch them long enough, there are leaders in that group. It, it, it is, it's even funny to me. Can I say this without getting in trouble? Let's see. Uh, it's funny to me in homes, even, where I have seen the man go, hi, I'm the leader, and, uh, and watch the wife kind of smile. 
like she's got the best secret in the world, <laughs> you know, because she's leading, you know, but she's leading in such a way that she just sees the family move forward and the, and the guy takes the credit for it. <laughs> you know, that's great leadership when you're leading and, and uh, nobody really knows you're doing it, but uh, you let other people get the credit for it. It doesn't matter to you as long as things are moving forward, right? That's a good leader. And so, uh, but leadership involves order. It involves things at least falling into some, some way so that a group of more than three or four or five people can work together to accomplish something great. It, it's no coincidence that in the book of Acts, as we watch it unfold, that leaders become pronounced. You begin to see them again and again because it gets scattered and, and we need leaders. We need them in each part of the church, we need leaders in every ministry of the church. And the, the order of the church, you know, depends on that. And so there's order, you know, there's order that is needed. And you ask yourself this, you know, how much order do I need in my family? Some of you are going a lot right now. But you know, how much order do I need in my business and who's responsible for it? How much order is good order? How much order is creative license? Though I still have order, I still give enough creative license for people to think and to develop. How much order do I need and who is going to bring it to the people or the group that I hang out with? Ask that about your church. Who's going to bring the order to this area of ministry that I'm dreaming of? Who's going to help? Who's going to help bring order in the dorms? You know, when you're all studying, you're trying to get through. Who's going to rally everybody around one central night and bring some order to it so you're not just on your own and you can encourage one another? Who's going to bring order? Because there will never be a full expression of what you're intending to do without there being some order in it. And Paul knew, the, knew this about the churches in Crete. And so he takes his friend Titus. And he, uh, Titus is an approved person. He has already had uh, been a, a, an assignment to Jerusalem. And, and he has succeeded in that. And he's been a dear friend of Paul's. And now he takes him and uh, he says, the reason I left you, that sounds kind of sad, doesn't it? The reason I left you, dropped you off in Crete was that you may put things in order. Go and deal with the things that are out of order. And so we need that. Uh, they needed it in Crete. We need it in Myrtle Beach. And as you move on down the chapter in Titus 1.12, we read a little bit about the reputation uh, of Crete. And let's, uh, we have that put up on the screen, Scott. Yeah, look at this. One of Crete's own prophets, Epimenides, said this about 600 years prior. Uh, one of Crete's own prophets has, has said, Cretans are always liars. Evil brutes, <laughs> lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore, <laughs> this is Paul. He never pulls any punches. This saying is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to merely human commands of those who reject the truth. That's a huge indictment. Have you ever heard growing up, well, that's the name of the family. They're just like that. Have you ever heard that before? It always offended me. I mean, my parents would say that sometimes. And it was like, you don't know that whole family. There's some nice people in that family. And of course, there were probably some nice Cretans. But what Paul was getting at is that church, as you've been birthed into this culture, you are going to need order in order to reach your island for Christ. Because you have a reputation. You have a certain heritage that's not good. 
And it's been passed down to you over and over again. And of course, people who say the Bible is so sweet and awesome and God would never offend you. Can you read that and say that? I mean, this saying is true, Paul says. I mean, what if it said you Myrtle Beachers, you know? (laughs) I mean, what would you say about Myrtle Beach? What would you say about what is our cultural slogan for the challenge in Myrtle Beach? Now, those of you who have been living here a while probably have one. You probably know. We love our beach. I love this beach. I've spent my life here. I love it, love it, love it. But it's got its challenges. It has its challenges. And Paul is saying, here's one of the things. You know, Cretans are always like people who live at the Redneck Riviera. (laughs) You Cretans, you. (laughs) But the thing is, Paul loves the people of Crete. And he has a hope for them that they would come to know how to serve Jesus Christ passionately. So he's drawing these stark, stark realities in a way and that, Titus, you need to go there and put things in order because this island indeed is messed up, just like all of our communities are messed up. And you need to go and you need to help bring the Christian community together. Bring some order to it because that's the only way we're going to be able to change that slogan. The only way we're going to be able to change that reputation is if we get some order in our churches and deal with some of the issues we've got facing us. And so, um, hey, you know, ask yourself, your family, you know, the place you live, everyone has a reputation, every area has a reputation. What is, what is the one that we have been planted into to deal with? Which one? At your school, in your subdivisions. Where? God has placed you there. How do you bring order to it in order that God can get the glory from you being there? That's the question. Um, We're always asking God, what are you doing here? This is one of our major themes at the Vineyard, and that is that we don't have to invent ministry. What we have to do is ask what the Father is doing and join him. So when we saw thousands of international students coming to the beach, we thought, Father's saying, join him in that. When we see that we have missionaries in our church, I mean, and that even live in California, but call us home, like Linus, Dr. Linus Morris and, and Phil and, and Doug, who is a big part of this church, preached last Sunday. Uh, those and now are on Rick and Susan. Harold are going back to Italy to be missionaries. When we see that, we are all like, this is what the Father is doing. This is what God the Father is doing. And so what we do is we join along. And, and that is a part of bringing order. Now that we know that God has said, this is what I'm doing, then we go, how do we bring some order to it? Not to stifle it, but to see that we get the most as we move together. Get it? A church needs order. Then he moves on and he speaks about these people in, uh, over in the next set of verses. In verses 5, he goes, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Elders, bishops, overseers, same word. In other words, some people that will stand up and take some leadership in those home churches throughout Crete because you can't have order if you don't have leadership. You got to have leaders. Yes, you can have bad leadership. But we're getting ready to read 
what a good leadership is. Now, this list that we're going to look at right now for elders should be read in a question style, like who is blameless? You ask that question. And he's telling Titus, when you go to these churches, you ask the question. When you move into these home churches, you say, who among you is blameless? You start asking. You do an interview, and you try to find out. And let's, let's read through some of these. The first one is, again, who is blameless? Well, that is that who has the quality of their home life in such a way that it cannot be criticized. That's what it means. When someone looks at this person's home life as a potential elder in the church at Crete, can their home life be criticized? So you ask that question. Then he tells Titus that this possible elder should be faithful to his wife. This is still evolving as far as men and women right now. It's still in a paternal, holistic uh, culture. And so he's talking to men faithful to wife. And that just means loyal. Like he doesn't run around. He's faithful to his wife. So he's loyal to his wife. Children believe that his children believe. And that is a man whose kids have followed him. And I would say the mother in their faith. That is that they believe also. They have followed them in the faith. Uh, another way to say this is that children. The children are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. The elder must be a person of good reputation. Coupled with the fact that he receives his children's respect. He receives his children's respect. This list is pretty tough. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and, uh, and here's the hard thing about this list. Every one of us should live like this. You know, every one of us, this is, if you read the rest of the scripture, this is just a list of what it means to follow Jesus in many ways. Um, blameless, that means not arrogant, as you read through this. Not an arrogant person, approachable, you know, doesn't always have to have his way or her way. And uh, not overbearing, that's not self-willed. Uh, I've always got to have my way, no matter what. Uh, not quick-tempered, angered easily. Uh, gets mad when someone disagrees with them and just puffs up, you know, and is ready to fight, uh, that kind of thing. Don't go redneck on the board, um, which is hard for some of us. Um, not, <laughs> not given to drunkenness. I like Calvin's, uh, Calvin, the, one of our church fathers said, he, he termed it this way in his uh, commentary, uh, avoid intemperance and guzzling. <laughs> Avoid intemperance and guzzling. So no guzzling, and Calvin loved his beer, but no guzzling of the beer, all right? Uh, not given to drunkenness, not violent. There it is again, not easily provoked. Do you notice something about this list? This is all about character, right? Not one time has it said anything about gifting so far, or even competence yet. It's all about character, all of it. And uh, this might have been quite a challenge on the island of Crete because of the reputation that we read, right? But that's the exact reason he has this qualification is he's looking for people who can stand out, not on their own, but stand out enough so that people will listen to the gospel that they're going to bring. Because it's all about the gospel. It's all about the message. We don't want to do anything that would hinder the message of Christ to the culture that we're trying to preach it to. And so uh, that's where he's going. Not pursuing dishonest gain. And uh, that's, you know, not, not in it for the money. 
Not in it for the money. And uh, as we're going to see, there are challenges in this church. And one of the challenges was the fact that there were people coming through these churches in Crete trying to take advantage of these small churches financially. And so in order to deal with that, Paul says, we need leaders who are not in it for the money and uh, are not in it to take advantage of the church. Many, many, many years ago, there was this thing that ran through the churches in this area. And uh, believe me, buying gold is not that new of a thing. Years and years ago, I think every church in this area got hit by someone who came in and said, Pastor, I can quadruple your money. If you'll just give it to me, I'm going to go buy gold and quadruple. And I knew knew people who did that. They did it. They did it. They gave their savings. They gave what they, to to these folks, of course, not telling them they were skimming 20, 30% right off of it at the same time. And, uh, and churches were busted, lost all of their savings, lost all of that. I want you to know something that has never happened here in almost 20 years. And it won't happen here with the leadership we've got. Nobody's looking for any get quick rich schemes. We just steady one foot in front of the other. Do what's right. Pay your bills and be conscious of the amount of money you have and pray for wonderful, gracious givers. And just keep, <laughs> just keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and spend what you have and don't spend what you don't have, right? That's what you do, right? Yeah, only three of you said yes, but that's good. That's <laughs> good because you're in the right place because we're all about moving together in health and, uh, you know, that's good. So be hospitable. That means, you know, you welcome people to your home. People come to your house. They feel welcome. You, your neighbors, hey, how you going? You know, how's it going? And, and you're just a hospitable person. You're approachable. Um, be self or love what is good. There's one of the times good is mentioned. Love what is good. What is good? And that's self-explanatory. Be self-controlled. Have your wits about you. <laughs> be self-controlled. Don't get rattled in tough times. Have, keep your wits about you. Think through the situation and make the decisions you need to make. Have your wits about you. Be upright and holy. That means the way you treat others and God and you live that way. The way you treat, you value others and the way that you value God. People can see it. Uh, be disciplined. That's self-controlled. Galatians 5 lists that as part of the fruits of the Spirit. And that is that you, you control, you're not out of control. Uh, Hold firmly to the truth as taught, as taught, as taught from this book. Hold to it, not cockamania ideas that float through every now and then, but hold to the truth. The 2,000 years of church history and rich theology and what we have before us, we have so much that we can hold on to to keep us steady and at the same time excited and expecting God to, to break in at any moment into our lives. Hold firmly to the truth as taught. And lastly, encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now, here you go. He's, Titus has got his hands full, does he not? He's got to go into these home churches and look for people like this. He's got to ask those questions. And then he's got to sit down and he's going to have to teach them because most likely most of them don't know as we know about the reputation of the Cretans. So he's got to sit down. He's got to raise up elders. And he has been given the authority by Paul to come in and establish elders. 
He is to go in and to do it and lead them in each spot throughout the island so that it has leadership. Nothing happens without leadership. Nothing. And you're, you, know, you have to ask your question this, mor- this question this morning. Yourself this question. What does God want me to do? How does he want me to lead in my family, in my church? Has God put his hand upon you and said, I want you to lead? Do you have a passion? Do you have a hunger? Have you heard that voice from God? Then you should respond to it. You should say, yeah, I feel like a call. You know, you don't have to know right now, but you begin the journey. If you feel this inclination, you should tell somebody in your small group. You should tell somebody on the church staff. I feel this, you know, this pull, this call to leadership. You never have enough leaders ever. And so nothing happens without leaders. Good leaders, leaders, not just who are competent, but who have character. And uh, those who are building their lives in such a way that God, you know, God and man looks at you and says, that's good. That's good what I see. That's good what's going on there. And uh, so, you know, you need to let us know. We always need leaders. Uh, So uh, a church needs order. A church needs leaders. And lastly, a church needs protecting In verse 10, he says, For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception. I tell you, most pastors now, they could not get by with talking the way Paul does. (laughs) You know, there are many people, you know, who are rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception. And what he's talking about are this group of people who are floating through the churches in Crete, Most likely, it has to do with Jewish myths, probably circumcision again, of which Titus was a part of the discussion prior, if you read. And Titus was not circumcised. He's a Greek. And so who else but to go to Crete to deal with something like this? But a Greek leader who has not been circumcised to deal with this cult of sorts that is moving into the church to try to say, you have to give me money. And you have to be circumcised to be a Christian. And so they drop a man who is not circumcised, but is a leader in the church, and also who was sent to Jerusalem to put in order the finances of the church there. Paul's a smart guy. A smart guy. And so there are always challenges to the church. There are always things happening. I know we don't have things like this anymore. They don't stick around very long. This group in this church was causing problems. It says upsetting entire families. That means like taking a table and flipping it over. Like they were coming into homes and rattling the faith of the husbands and wives and children. And just causing people to question their salvation. To question who Christ was and what it took to be accepted by Jesus. And so Titus has been sent in to confront them one on one. How do you like that? To look at them eye to eye and... Literally, it says to shut the mouth of. (laughs) To shut the mouth of. That's rebuking. To shut the mouth. To shut their mouths. And no, we don't have a lot of this. Every now and then in the church, we will see people float through who are uh, legalists that will come through and say, uh, you can be perfect in this life, and why aren't you preaching that? And uh, they don't stay around long because most of us are not that perfect, and they... Don't feel welcome with us. <laughs> you know, they're like, you guys are just too imperfect for me. <laughs> You're wearing me down, my perfection. 
So, you know, that still happens on occasion. Uh, and, and, but when we first started this church, so, uh, those of you who have been here for a while heard this story, but this was a test for me up front. This was within six months of us starting this church. I had one of the guys uh, who were a part of the church and was such a part helping us and uh, began. And uh, this group called 12 Tribes came through Myrtle Beach uh, 20 years ago. 12 Tribes came through and uh, it was a cult. It came through and it began to take people out of our church. And then I started getting phone calls from people saying, Tim, did you know they're quoting you? Did you know in their gathering times they're saying, we are the church that Tim Holt preaches about. And we're because I was preaching community, I was preaching, let's get close, let's support one another a lot when we first started this church. And, uh, and so it just kept going until I probably got eight, nine phone calls. And then they, children and young couples were being taken off and going to these farms and things. And finally, I just got so sick of it. I went, they were in town, all the elders of their group. <laughs> And I went and met them, and I grabbed the guy that was a part of our church out of the meeting and pulled him outside and tried to shut his mouth in a kindly redneck way and, uh, <laughs> and told him, I said, look, you cannot be preaching this. Don't you leave your leaflets at our church. You're not welcome at this church anymore. You are disfellowshipped. And uh, I told him, I said, the sad thing for you is Jesus is not enough for you. And when Jesus is not enough for you, you are trouble." And the other group, the guys came out. They all had beards, long hair, and robes. And, uh, you know, looked like disciples. And they came out. I was like, I've been there. I was way ahead of you 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, uh, they, came, they, they came out. They came out. And, I, and they said, do we need to help you? And I'm like, go back inside. This is between me and a friend. And they, you know, eventually it came out. They were, it was all kind of sorted, I won't say, but sorted stuff that went on in that group. Stuff like that does happen. And it does cause problems, and it does come along. And the point is that every church, every church needs good leadership. Not just, it's elders, not elder, it's elders. We have wonderful leaders in this church. Bruce and Linda Fowler have been with me from almost day one. Almost 19 years they have been here in this church. Paul and Obia Alverson came here when they were right out of college. Right, I think they'd been to Memphis for one Chick-fil-A uh, deal, and then they moved here. And they've been with me for 16 years since they were out of college. They're on our board. And now Mitch and Vera are serving for a year right here. Wave your hand as we raise up young, younger couples, real good friends, and know them well. We're part of our pit crew even for a while. And uh, I want you to pray now. Right now, what we're going to do as we close this out this morning is we're going to pray for leaders, Right? We're going to pray for leaders because there's some of you out there who aren't standing up and going, I'm a leader. Now, this is, I'm not preaching male and female leadership this morning, but if I was, I'm going to cut to the chase, and you can deal with me if you don't like this. But uh, I believe in men and women, pastors and leaders. I believe it's scriptural. It's true. And if you want to, uh, if you want to talk with me about it, I'll make an appointment. It's going to, it's going to take some time, and i got another service this morning. So, uh, so let's stand. Let's stand, folks. Father, thank you for your word. We are, in all honesty, Lord, it is a fearsome, fearful thing to, to read these words and to, to know, God, that you put your hands on everyday, ordinary, everyday people 
And you say, I want you for this. That is, Lord, I am old, humbled, and a bit scared. And always have been at that, Lord. But Lord, you have so many leaders in this church. And we bless our board. We bless our staff. We bless Vineyard, uh, Team Vineyard, Lord, all of those who serve in every capacity, leading in every way. I pray that they find much joy and they know they're not alone. And that we respect each and every one of them. And I pray, Lord, for our, our board as we face this future too. Lord, do we have much to have to consider in the days ahead. So we lift our board up to you. We lift our board of elders up to you. We ask for you to give them wisdom. Give them wisdom. And Jesus, in this room right now, are future leaders. Those who are starting to lead and those who have not stepped out yet, but they feel your pull, your drafting. And while we've got our heads bowed and our eyes closed for a moment, I want to know who you are just so I can pray for you. If you'd just lift your hand up and say, yep, I, I sense that call. I sense that pulling to lead. Just, just lift it up. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. So many young people. That's wonderful. Awesome. Wow. Father, I pray for those that lifted their hands just then. Don't let them off the hook, God. Do not let them off the hook. Move in their hearts. Prepare their character now. And then, Lord, lead them to places, hopefully in this church, Lord, where they can begin to learn to lead. We submit ourselves humbly before you, Lord, because you are the senior pastor of the church. It is your church. And we are all under shepherds under you, Lord. So come and build your church, Lord. Care for it. Protect it. Raise up new leaders. In Jesus' name. Just hold it here just a moment. Your, some of you, your first step in responding this morning is to say yes to Christ. Because that whole life of leadership and that whole life of fulfillment that God has destined you for is found initially in that call to what? Paul preached at the very beginning of this book and that is that he was drafted by God to do this by the command of God and maybe you're feeling drafted this morning you're being called by God to follow him that's your first step before you ever, ever think about leading is to respond to the leader to Christ the leader and so I want to ask you if this is your day would you let me know by raising your hand saying yes this is my day and beginning my journey this morning with Christ just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Father, I pray for those two, Lord, that raised their hand just then. I pray that you would sweep in uh, to their hearts. Make yourself known right now at this moment by your holy presence, Lord. By your holy presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.